this is an important podcast or more likely an important note about networking because based on the feedback and the comments I get from candidates who we are working with and other people who just write to us for guidance, I think many people are making some very, very bad networking mistakes and I want to talk through some of those mistakes. We cover some of them in our podcast but either we didn't explain them well or people maybe didn't understand them or maybe we didn't go into them in enough detail and I would like to cover them here. So let me just talk you through some of the principles behind networking and some of the mistakes I see people making. I think the first principle of networking is that you want to create a good impression with the person with whom you network. That is ultimately what you want to do, right? And you can think of networking a little bit like arranging your first date, you know. The way you ask someone out to go on that first date plays a big role in terms of whether or not they choose to go out with you on a date and ultimately how the date works out. I mean, you know, all the events that preceded the date are not automatically nullified or erased as a result of what happens at the date. So the point I'm trying to make is that all the events leading up to the networking and the the emails, the phone conversations and so on plays a very big role. And what happens when you actually meet this person and speak to them also plays a role. So let me give an example of some of the things I see happening, which I think are actually counterproductive to what candidates are doing. I think the first thing to understand is networking is not contacting someone. If you contact someone, and you speak to them, you haven't actually networked, you've simply met someone. Networking is a result of contacting someone and building a more positive relationship with them than what you initially had. If you contact someone and it doesn't go well and they end up disliking you or feeling that you're not a strong candidate, you've actually hurt your chances. You've done the opposite of networking. So I think just be wary of that. I I do find a lot of candidates, when I speak to them, they tell me they've networked. Then when I probe deeper and find out, okay, you've networked. Explain to me how you've networked. What kind of relationship? Well, they haven't really networked. They've simply contacted a few people. So I think that's important to understand. The other thing you need to do is do not spam an office. Do not write to all 30 people in an office on LinkedIn and ask for an invite or a chance to speak to someone. People talk. I know people talk because I used to do it when um, when I was a consultant. And I, when I speak to our current candidates now, I know that some candidates tell me when they contacted an associate, the business analyst told the associate that they were also contacted. So people talk. If you contact everyone in an office and it comes across that you are desperate or going on a shotgun approach, it's not going to help you, okay? So what you should do is rather than contacting everyone in an office, pick a few, three, four, maybe five or even six, but have a very good reason for contacting them. Do not go after everyone because then to each person it looks as if you are just willing to speak to anyone in the office. It must look special. It must look like you asked only one girl out for the prom or one guy out for the prom. You know, these are modern times. So the point is, don't write to everyone. It just damages your chances in a in a in an incredible way. The second one is, don't be desperate. And I tell this to a lot of people, and I implore people not to be desperate. Desperation is a very very unattractive trait, especially for a management consultant or aspiring management consultant, because management consulting firms want to hire people who look accomplished who look as if they have a lot of options in life and who look as if they are successful. Desperate people exhibit none or mirror none of those characteristics. So in terms of networking, 
don't appear desperate. The other things to remember when you're networking is networking plays a very small role in granting consulting interviews. This is not banking, you know, whereby you happen to reach out to a partner at Goldman Sachs who knows you and you'll get an interview. That's not the way it works in consulting. In consulting, the criteria are set up front. I know a very, very, very few people who managed to network themselves into an interview when they didn't have sort of the raw metrics to get an interview. You know, they had poor, if you have good grades, good leadership, good extracurricular, uh, worked at good firms, went to a good school, had, you know, relatively, I think, accomplished experiences in your working background, you'll get an interview. There are very, very few, very few people who don't meet those criteria who, who get a, who get an interview. So, the point I'm trying to make is don't expect miracles from your networking. I mean, I've seen I've seen people who are willing to fly from a city to another city just to network with someone, but they are not willing to invest time into developing their leadership skills. And if your resume has a material weakness, networking is going to help up to a certain point, but it's not going to help beyond that. And and people always tell me. Well, I have leadership experience and so on, so you know, I'm fine. But each resume is a package, and each package looks different. So don't compare an individual point in your resume. Compare the whole package. There are some people who will be weak in leadership, but because they'll be so strong in other areas, it'll compensate. But there's no hard and fast rule for this. Each application is different. Each resume is different. When you send an email to that person for the first time when you write to them, please, I implore you to read, to read, that, res- to read that email very carefully. Those people who not work with us know that we ask you to share the emails you're going to send with people so we can edit it, and we're very happy to do that. But we've seen with some candidates where we've been editing their resumes, their emails for over four months, they still haven't figured out how to write an email. It's not difficult. Your first email should be simple, to the point, polite, and not sound desperate. You know, something simple like, "Hi, I'm going to be applying to Bain, San Francisco in a few months. If you're so inclined, I'd love to. I'd, I would like, not love. I would like to uh, get an opportunity to speak to you about your experiences. And assuming you have similar backgrounds, you know, how does someone with, you know, how does someone with your background, a law background, made the transition? Something like that." You know, I've seen people write emails to people they don't know saying they're just so much in love with BCG. It's the only firm they want to work at. Therefore, they're willing to do everything to get in. Trust me, consulting firms don't care how much you want to get in there. They want accomplished people, and accomplished people don't write that way. Right? Don't make grammar errors in your email. Sure, I mean, when I get grammar errors, I don't really make a big deal about it, but it does affect my image of that person. So don't make those are common networking errors. But now I want to talk about some not so common networking errors, right? That people make. The one not common but very catastrophic error people make is that. They go into a conversation expecting to get something from the meeting. I wouldn't go in for a networking conversation expecting to get anything. Let me tell you something. Do you know when I was a consultant, I get a mail roughly every day from someone wanting to speak to me. At a certain point, I get tired of it when someone wants something from me. I don't want to speak to them. The worst one is when people speak to me and then they follow up asking me to do things. I don't like it. I li- if I like the person, I will offer to do something with them. I'll offer to review the resume, I'll offer to submit it. If you, the person is not offering to submit your resume and is not offering to review your resume, then don't think there's something wrong with the consultant. 
there may be very well something wrong with your application and you should go back it and relook at it. The point is this. If you get your shot to speak to a partner or a senior consultant or whatever the title is in a consulting firm and it has not gone well, it is usually not the consultant's fault. You probably did something wrong yourself. In life, you get very few opportunities. Take the opportunity and make it work. But don't go into a call expecting them to give you things because that's just a horrible way to run a call. Don't. In fact, if you go into a call not expecting something, the consultant will be so thrown off they will actually offer to help you. So that, so be, go, go in with what I call a sincere intentions. Don't go in expecting something and being unhappy when you don't get anything at the end of the day. Another common error I find people making is, please, when you review your resume and your package and you have a disc and you want to put together an agenda for the discussion, right? Ask yourself this. Write down all the questions you want to ask the interview and ask yourself this. Do you sound like a high school student? Because I've heard someone ask an interviewer, what is your favorite client and your favorite city? Now, you know, that is what I expect a 16-year-old to ask in an interview, what is your favorite anything? If you've gone to a business school or an undergraduate program from a reputable school, you should have a bit more insightful way of phrasing a question such as, you know, which client do you feel you've learned the most from given your background? Or which That's a better way of saying what's your favorite client or which client do you feel that you have grown the most in and why do you think that is the case? Make your question sound as if it belongs in Fortune magazine as opposed to Teen Choice Awards magazine or whatever it's called. Everything you do, you're being measured. And I do find candidates coming across so naive and so young, it it shocks me. Especially once we've guided the candidate to think about how they appear. So write down how you want to present yourself. The other one is don't ask questions that make a consultant uncomfortable. Someone once came back to me and said they want to ask the managing partner for McKinsey China whether McKinsey is able to maintain its standards now that it's growing too hard. Now, you know, I'm okay with that, but you've never met the guy before. You really want to start off with that question? I mean, what is your basis for thinking they, sh they wouldn't be able to maintain their standards? The point is, you're asking a question that has no context. You know, it's like asking someone, do you think the sky will turn red tomorrow? And they'll turn around to you and say, but why do you even think the sky will turn red. What makes you think that? And it's the same thing by asking a consulting firm these ridiculous questions. You're going in to be liked. That's your objective when you speak to someone on the phone. Don't ask questions that make them uncomfortable. Sure, you can ask tough questions, but do it in a way that doesn't make someone uncomfortable. A nice way to ask that tough question on maintaining ethics and values would be along the lines of, you know, you know McKinsey is growing very rapidly and you know how important the culture is to the firm and the partners and you can see it in the in the consultants you've met you know everyone's really polished everyone sings from the same hymn book everyone has the same value system and one of the questions you had is you know clearly mckinsey is growing very rapidly how does the firm go about managing consistency in its value system especially in offices like china and so on which are showing rapid growth a humble way of ans of asking the question you don't sound arrogant Another common mistake I see people making is just a lack of preparation. You know, when you are when you are inv invited, for example, to go to an office for Bain or whatever to meet a principal or a partner, do your homework. Find out the work the office is doing. Find out the work the partner is doing. Have really important questions. Someone once asked, asked me this: Am I being assessed when I go in for the interview? Because they said it wouldn't be an assessment. You know, that is a very naive statement. You are being assessed 
at every single moment of the interaction. Do you really believe a partner is going to invite you in, say, look, I'm not going to assess you now, you can act like a clown or like a child, and then we'll assess you later, bring you in for another interview. Any interaction you have with someone you're being assessed, they may not tell you they're assessing you, but they are assessing you. You have to put your best foot forward, have to be presentable. You have to be able to have a conversation. You know, if you cannot have a conversation with a partner, you are not going to pass the final round anyway. So people always tell me, but you know, I wasn't prepared for this discussion with the partner. Then I always step back and say, but how do you prepare for a discussion with the partner? There is no preparation. The partner is going to discuss whatever he wants with you. He can discuss football. He can discuss how they name ships in the Singapore Navy. Or they can do what I do. I love discussing your trip. And I always like discussing a hobby. And I also like discussing, you know, your favorite subject at school or whatever it was, or the subject that you felt that you did the best and you learned the most from. But the point is this. When you actually get that meeting, you gotta make it count. Every meeting is important. You gotta be polite, you gotta be you gotta be able to hold your own. It's like this. You don't take the shot for networking until you are ready. And I find a lot of people they just go out and network. They're not ready. They don't know what networking is. They haven't even decided what the objective of networking is. Frankly, they don't even know what the definition of networking is, but they just heard they need to network. Someone told them they need to contact a partner, but they have no real objective to achieve. So when you do go out and network, it's very important that you avoid these mistakes. And the best way to prepare is understand what you hope to accomplish. Really understand what you hope to accomplish from networking, right? Do you hope to get them to do something for you because if you're going in to explicitly ask for that you will fail right but if you go in to demonstrate how competent you are and how professional and how knowledgeable you are you'll eventually get them offering to help you by themselves ask yourself this how good is your profile your profile is bad networking won't help you your profile's average networking won't help your profile has to be acceptable because no one's going to refer in someone who's going to make them look bad it's that simple right the referral system is partially a process of vetting by the person who referred you and no one's going to refer you in and just take you in unless you have the right profile. So when you when you are networking, ask yourself this, you know, have you laid the groundwork for a successful networking session? The second thing is when you do meet the person, do not appear like a child. I've seen many people do that, the conversations, the questions, the body language and so on. You need to come across as professional, calm, not excited and I mean I've had a, I've got a candidate in Southeast Asia who comes across as too excited and I wonder you do this the firm will take advantage of you if they know you are their only option they are your only option that's it game over they will take advantage of it they will not treat you the same way as someone who is polished and has options in life and she disobeyed it paid for her own ticket and the firm is drawing her out a little bit and I can see why they would do it because of the way she played her profile. She should not have done that. She should have been honest and said, look, I really want to work at this firm. But she confused excitement for interest. And to be honest, you know, she came across too young. Consulting firms don't want someone who's naive and immature. You have to be able to hold your own in a conversation. And some other common mistakes for networking is, you know, sometimes you network to someone, but you're not ready to speak to them. When you network to people, be ready to speak to them. They may call you the same evening. I used to do that. I won't tell someone I'm going to call them. I'll just call them. Because I do want to see how this person w reacts to that preparation. 
I'll look at the number at the bottom and I'll call them immediately and say, do you have five minutes to speak? I can speak now. Now, you can say that's unfair, but to be honest, that's not unfair. When you reach out to me, you should be ready to have a discussion with me. And I even do it now. Uh, if someone wants to talk to me who's not a client, I'll sometimes call them back and just to see how they respond um, without preparation. It's part of the vetting process. The point is be prepared before you go in. Understand that everything you do contributes to your image. Understand what networking can accomplish. Understand whether your profile is helping or hindering your networking abilities. That's very important. I think too many people have made networking a cliche. They've been watching too many episodes of Sex and the City and they think networking is all about cocktail events and where you get to meet people and talk about ridiculous stuff. There is a strategy to networking. You've got to play it right. You've got to understand how networking will work for you specifically and what you need to do. You do not spam an entire office. You do not go in unprepared. You do not go in sounding like a child. You must understand that you are a brand and you need to manage that brand at the end of the day. And Really, you know, at the end of the day, if you don't sound like a professional, you don't sound like a consummate business leader, why would someone want to hire you? I mean, this is not a finishing school for people who, you know, can't have basic conversations. You've got to be able to handle those things. Hopefully, you have some guidance. You have a friend that's willing to help you, but you need to ask these tough questions of yourself. I always tell people, you know, a good skill is just to be able to go up to talk to, just to be able, is just to be able to go up to someone and talk to them. You need to have that skill. It's an important skill in management consulting. Now, if you don't have these skills, it's not the end of the world. I mean, I always tell people that, you know, I used to stutter when I was young. When I was in high school, I used, well, maybe not high school. Maybe junior high, as they call them, in the, as they call it. I used to start, and as I came to high school, I also struggled a little bit with it. But the only way I got out of it and became what I, I think is a very good speaker is by putting myself into very difficult situations. So even when I was in college and when I went to graduate school, I made sure that I put myself into situations where I had to speak eloquently under difficult situations, defending a controversial viewpoint without preparation. Now, you can ask yourself, you know, I'm not ready for it, but let me tell you something, you are never ready for it. You need to do it to be ready for it. You don't prepare to do these things well, you just have to get in and do it. So if you if you feel you're not ready for networking, then network with what I call low-value targets. Network with a firm that you're not interested in. Network within, if you're not interested in Deloitte, network with Deloitte. Practice with Deloitte. Contact Deloitte people, practice with them. You cannot do this in your dorm room and expect to be brilliant when you go out there. The ability to hold an eloquent conversation comes with practice. I developed a lot of gray hair, let me tell you that, and a lot of sleepless nights thinking through arguments. When I was very young, I used to plan every single speech and every single discussion I used to have. Every single discussion I used to plan it. But I realized that was just hurting my career because there's no way I could plan every single permutation and combination of options that could you know, transpire in a conversation. It was just a part to nowhere. So eventually I had to become comfortable just holding a conversation. And I developed several tricks and techniques, which I'll talk about in several follow-up podcasts. But the point is you have to be able to do it yourself. Networking, the outcome of networking is building a good relationship and getting yourself referred in. To accomplish that, you need to be able to hold a conversation, a dialogue, not a monologue. When you practice, you can only hold a monologue because you only you know where it's going. When you need to have a conversation with someone, which is the respectful thing to do, you need to be able to plan to have a dialogue so that the other person has control of at least 50% of the conversation. 
and you need to be comfortable doing this so if you're not comfortable you need to go out and practice today right it's not difficult to do but you need to practice it any questions as always simply write in and i'll respond to it